Welcome back to Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey. This is a podcast talking about the MCU, obviously, and it is hosted by Ben and Matt, and I'm Matt, and here's Ben. Ben, how are you doing? It's a new year. We get to talk about more Marvel stuff and start we with do. a bang. I want a flashback <laughs> to like 2018, 2019, yes. when we were doing this podcast and we were like in the run-up to Infinity War, in the run-up to Endgame, yeah. and we were like, the thing with Marvel is the baseline quality is like three stars. A gentleman's three star. Yeah, even if they've got like the rare misses, like mm-hmm. Dark World and Iron Man Two, there's interesting enough stuff in there. It was still, a, it was still an interesting time to to be a Marvel fan, and you knew that there was good stuff coming. And twice a year, <laughs> you yeah. could you could enjoy the latest Marvel picture, and you would know it would be fine at at worst. Yeah, yeah. Like apart from Incredible Hulk, but we all know the issues with Incredible Hulk are like different studio. Fuggy's not quite yeah. as involved. Yeah, and, and you and little... I, as Iron Man three truthers, know there was never a year where there was nothing good. Yes, but, you know there was always something. If you had if you had one of those misses, you knew the other film would be good. Even in the end run of like twenty eighteen twenty nineteen, where it's like Panther into Infinity War, then Ant Man, then Captain Marvel, then Endgame, then uh, Spider Man no, no Way Home. Home. Yeah. That might be the roughest. Well, far from home. In my far head. from home. I mean, I know everyone loves Endgame, but the Captain Marvel Endgame Far From Home trio for me is <laughs> not the greatest. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. Endgame still is cool. a fairly steady. Yeah. Like it, it is that thing where it's like, mm, they feel like they're not hitting at one hundred percent at the moment. Yeah, something like, went I'm... a bit wrong coming out of the Incredible Infinity War, and it's not been right ever <laughs> since, basically. Because <laughs> they their hottest streak was probably that year before where they drop Guardians, Ragnarok, Homecoming, next year, Panther, Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um but that like five movie run is probably like and they're just like all hitting a billion now and it's it's like a given. It's like, oh yeah, they can just put anything out and it will make a billion now. Yeah, and even before that one, you're like, even if you want to, like Strange isn't great, but like they got Civil War just before that mm-hmm. and it's just like mm, they, they feel like they're operating at another level. Yeah. But then three movies become consistent mm-hmm. as like this is the number of movies that we are releasing in a year. And yeah. it feels like they've spread themselves a little thin. Since they yeah. So it started with a minor bump of how much content they had to make a year with, okay, we'll do three movies because we had Spider-Man and like we wanted to squeeze that in but not give up what we're already doing. But then it's not always Spider-Man that is that third movie. And then <laughs> the problem is compounded two years ago, the launch of, of the Disney Plus shows. And, you know, there, there, there have been some good ones. But overall, I think nobody can really deny that they are just pumping stuff out and it is of a lower baseline quality and the feeling is they need to pull this the fuck back. Kevin Feige is stretched too thin, etc, etc. And that will probably be highlighted most in this year's volume of our podcast as we will be discussing the 2022 projects, um, which kicked off in March of last year with Moon Knight. Did not realise that they... What they're doing this year, where they've basically gone radio silent for the first two months of the year, and like we still don't know when Secret Invasion is landing at the time of this recording. I, I, I just assumed it was a given that they, they ran our show in January, February, but they didn't do it last year. So I guess this is just how they're gonna operate. They have the I don't know why. Did they was there something they were trying to get out of the way of last I mean, year? I mean this this year or this year the the basic idea is they wanted to get the shows out of the way for Panther. 
Yeah. And then they wanted to get the shows and they wanted nothing releasing when Avatar was in cinemas. Yeah. yeah. And we're still in like... the Avatar like drag window at this point. So it's like, okay, cool, nothing. But not even a date. Ant Man is like the first movie. Yeah. Like there is a chance that Ant Man will be the the first movie to knock Avatar off the number one spot at the box office. Maybe. Like it might be Titanic in a couple of weeks, but like the only one that's guaranteed to do it is going to be Ant-Man. That's how, and so it, overall it's probably smart of Disney to go like, let's give Avatar as much yeah. brain space as we possibly can. But then when you're trying to shove in, what is it at this point, like four TV shows and three movies a year and you've got nothing releasing in January. And then you also have Star Wars, which yes. is also doing like three shows this year because you've got like Mandalorian's got a guaranteed like release window mm-hmm. coming up fairly soon. Um I think it's after Last of Us End, so it won't be double Pedro. Yeah. On people's like TV screens. <laughs> but yeah, you've got like Mandalorians this year. I think they've got like uh the Ahsoka shows coming this year yeah. and then like so they're definitely basically gonna be flipping between Star Wars and Marvel for mm-hmm. this year. But Secret Invasion is like I've heard May potentially. May. Yeah, as like when. <laughs> but Secret it's meant to be the first dropping. TV show of the year, isn't it? Well, but I think I think they're going to do Mando first, and then they're no, gonna but do... like of the Marvel shows, it's the first. Yep. Show this year. Yep. And we're allegedly getting Loki this year, and well, Echo's apparently being Echo... pushed back to next ah, year. Okay. Echo so was think, like set they're... for like July, I thought, or something. Yeah, they've said like winter now for Echo. So this is getting into like all the scuttlebutt then, behind the shows. Well, but, like, again, Invasion... Daredevil was supposed to be early next year. So if you suddenly smush those to be quite close together, that's either good or bad. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Yeah, this year this year is set to be before we summarize what we're going to be covering <laughs> this year on the podcast, this year we'll have, in 2023, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Galaxy yeah. and the Galaxy Volume 3, yeah. The Marvels, yeah. and then guaranteed TV shows are Season 2 of What If, which will probably air alongside something else, possibly even before Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. Secret Invasion, Loki Season 2, and then Ironheart to kind of cap off the year, is I think kind of like where we're, we're going to end up, That's with right. Echo slipping... Agatha next year, and then Daredevil kind of running through the very end of, or like late 24 or Yeah, because it was, yeah. Mm. I mean, I know we are doing everything within our power to not talk about Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very telling. But yes, the way this podcast these days works, uh, we're back with you every year to talk about the previous year. So all those things Ben just said, we'll be talking about them next year. But this year, obviously, we've got what Moon Knight, Doctor Strange. Uh, Ms. Marvel, Love and Thunder, She-Hulk, Wakanda Forever, Wakanda Forever, the, the duology of specials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a real shame we've got to kick off with such a fucking bummer. Hey, we're back. Let's talk about some absolute garbage. <laughs> um, because yeah, Moon Knight kind of to this day uh, has the internet ablaze. If you look in the wrong pockets, people just being like, yeah. This is the greatest show they've ever made. This is the best superhero property ever. Blah, 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 blah. And then anyone with a functional brain is like, no, it's hot fucking trash. I'm going to have IMDb. Moon Knight's only a 7.3 on IMDb. That's like, it's not way high. high considering how IMDb yeah, but, but, works. Like, IMDb's got like that weird thing where like 8 is like their ceiling. And then everything is in that like 6 well, to 7 yeah. range. So Moon Knight approaching the ceiling is rough. Like, I watched... The Harder They Fall twice this week. That's at like a 6.6 on IMDb. That movie is fucking fantastic. <laughs> if you want no, to talk about like The Harder watch. They Fall for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen The Harder They Fall. You should watch The Harder They Fall. But no, Moon Knight is real bad. And I have had it 
in in person arguments about Moon Knight, and it's made me not want to talk about Marvel with people I know in real life anymore. I have seen so many raging debates on Twitter about Moon Knight. I obviously reviewed every episode as it aired, so if you if you follow the website entotherealworld.com as well as our podcast, thank you. Uh, but you already know my thoughts, and they have not gotten kinder with time. <laughs> no, my, I'm I'm a lot lower on it than I was last year. Well, like, <laughs> and that's I think that's the key thing is that so number one, mm. we did our crossover with Superhero Pantheon at the tail yes. end of last year, and we ranked all the projects. And Moon Knight was like in the bottom half. I think there was some kindness towards it so it wasn't quite as low down as if we were in control of the list in itself because i think we both agreed that it's like i've got it as my third least favorite project went, you're like second least yeah because yeah. what, if, what if is automatic last what if will not be covered next year or ever on this podcast it's, it doesn't count it's garbage it's bad but whatever. i think it, it does say that there is like every project i think that's been released in phase four is divisive mm -hmm. like there are some people who are like i love this and some people who are like i hate this mm -hmm. i think eternals is probably the least divisive no, just because it's some I people hate this. no so many people are like it's really boring it's really awful but i don't think there's anyone that's like i think it's great i think that's the uh... difference is that like there are people who are like this is great this is awful <laughs> and guess. then eternals is like this is fine and this is awful is is the is the variance on that one where it's like some people are like, I love Taika, therefore Thor Love and Thunder is great. And... I don't know. I've yet to come across a Wakanda Forever is like actively bad take, but we'll get to that. Oh, no, I've, se I've seen oh, Wakanda okay. Forever like one stars or letterboxd. Oh, okay. And like one star lower than Black Adam kind of thing. You are focusing too much on like the corporateness of yeah. movies more than the actual content that the movie is supplying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're arguing with strangers about box offices. It's like that means nothing in, it, to you. Like that is only important to people who <laughs> sit in fucking offices and dictate what is made. <laughs> For me, Moon Knight actively pisses me off more than Falcon and Winter Soldier did. Falcon and Winter Soldier is bad, but I knew it would be bad. I knew they were not equipped to tackle the material they were going for. I knew that the leads are not terrifically interesting characters or actors. And then, you know, the, the the COVID stuff obviously did it even more damage. But there are pockets of things in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm like, this is in some way compelling. Moon Knight is actively infuriating. I would say there are like, there's like a minute per episode where I'm like, okay. And then the rest, I'm like, bad, bad, boring, bad, 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 boring. Um, I think it is a colossal failure of... I mean, we agreed it, it fails in two ways, and I think we're specialising each in a different way, where it is a very poor adaptation of its source material, and it's just an abject failure of television production. <laughs> I think that's the thing that hurts the most, is yeah. that you and I are both big fans of the recent runs of the Moon Knight comics. You've, yeah. you've read more than I have because you did like a deep dive, but I was very much like, I really love the, the Warren Ellis, Declan Shelby re, uh, reinvention of the character that happened in kind of 2014, yeah. um, which is like a six issue run of literally like standalone stories that introduces the idea of like Mr. Knight and, and yeah. the limo and, but it is literally just like, like the different era. aspects of Moon Knight. Like here are the different costumes. Here are the different skill sets, abilities. Like, you know, here's one where it's dead fucking serious and he's a detective or here he is brawling. And then the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Here he is astral projecting into the dream world. And 
Yeah. Yeah, like, there is, a, like, it genuinely, one of my favourite things was reading, again, was, like, there is a corpse that has been, like, infested with mushrooms, and those mushrooms are reacting to, like, drugs in the dead person's systems that's causing nightmares to come out, so Moon Knight just has, like, a trippy dream, mm-hmm. like, in, like, impaction into, like, mushroom dream world and stuff <laughs> like that, and it's all silent, and yeah. the colour from Georgie Belair is fantastic, because yeah. she's a fantastic colour colorist, and, like, the whites really pop, and it just mm-hmm. feels so... The, the art of making it look like Moon Knight glows is is a, is a nice touch in a lot of the books, where he's not just white, he looks like there's some blue, like, almost a, a subtle blue tone coming off him, where it I, like I just he's glowing in the dark. It, you you realise how little you see pure white in the mm-hmm. comic book. Yeah. And so when they draw him and like there maybe there's a little bit of shading, there's a little bit of blue and stuff like that, but like he is just white. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. like compelling to look at. And yeah. then this show is just like, what if he's wearing like beige mummy robes? <laughs> what if it's a completely CGI costume and there is no physical version of it anywhere in the world? Because we're doing the comic, shall we do yeah. the comic book? Yeah, let's so, so Moon Knight was created in 1975 as like an antagonist in an issue of Werewolf by Night, mm-hmm. um, where by the end of the issue he's like, I'm hunting down a werewolf because werewolves, moons, like, yeah. kind of fun little like thing. But by the end of the issue, like Moon Knight is like fighting on the side of Werewolf by Night. Yeah, and, and, and Marvel got really in, or Disney got really into this idea of of putting QR codes into the shows, and you'd scan them and you get an issue of something, and like. Yeah, it, there are several issues of Werewolf by Night available if you scan episodes of Moon Knight. Which all, which all feature Moon Knight in various capacities. And yeah. then basically Moon Knight kind of hung around for five years, showing up occasionally, backup stories and, and the sort. Um, because I think editors and the writers kind of liked the idea of the character, and so they spent some time rehabilitating him, making him a, a proper hero <laughs> and whatnot. He unavoidably has... Some similarities with a quite popular hero from another company. <laughs> yes, Bill Sienkiewicz redesigns the character in kind of running up to 1980, and he's taking huge, huge, huge inspiration from Neil Adams, who is, in the 70s, the Batman artist. The just Probably the most underrated, important Batman creative voice in Batman. Yes. <laughs> IMO. Because obviously everyone skips the 70s stuff to go straight to the 80s stuff with, like, yeah. Miller and and, yeah, yeah. and all the rest of it. But, like, so, Batman the Animated Series, like, that creative team are, like... Obviously, the, the running line is, like, they're, they're, they're tying in with um, with Burton and, and, and those movies, but, like, they will, they will tell you, like, no, this is all Neil Adams. Like, the, the yeah. giant death traps and the sort of... Yeah, the tone that people think was invented by Frank Miller is actually present in the 70s. <laughs> And then 1980, they they basically go like, cool, let's pull the trigger on a Marvel solo series featuring this character. Mm-hmm. And this kind of like is in an era where not many Marvel characters have had solo series. Yeah. Like we're not at the point where we are teams in the 2000s. We're like, yeah. yeah, you've got teams, and then you've got kind of like the ten characters that get solo series. It's like Iron Man, Hulk, Strange, uh, like the X Men and stuff like that. Are Spider-Man. the ones who are kind of yeah, yeah Spider like, exactly. And then like occasionally you'll get like a short limited run from someone else. Like this is where. Shang-Chi is getting runs, this is where Luke Cage is, this is where mm-hmm. Iron Fist is. So Moon Knight is kind of in that first probably 20 to 30 Marvel characters that got a solo yeah. comic book in the, in the scheme of things. And obviously that's crazy to think now because every character gets an ongoing yeah. series now, it feels like at this point. Like, half the X-Men cast have had ongoing series outside of the X-Men We all read Gambit. For some reason. <laughs> 
Um, so obviously this is where because it was launched at the same time as like Hawkeye and Daredevil and they were like it's from the same editorial imprint Gambit's gonna be just as good (laughs) yeah and then basically they make Moon Knight into a a riff on those kind of like old school adventure movies from from the the pulpy stuff that I uh, um Indiana Jones is pulling from because obviously comes out in 1980 makes sense to do a kind of Egypt riff in Mm -hmm. in 1980 doesn't it and that's where the character sits firmly for a while yeah I don't he doesn't even have the DID at that point does he like it takes a while for them to get into like the DID and him being like the violent I think it comes in a reboot like they I think they they just play it straight for ages where he is just yeah you are empowered by a moon god and you're kind of Batman and that's that and I think is he just? I guess Mark must come first, but like, I feel like Stephen yeah, Mark Grant, is the original. Yeah, I feel like Stephen Grant as Bruce Wayne as the billionaire that feels like it fits with the original vision. Well, that's but the thing, no, that's the thing is he does he doesn't have DID. He has different. He has the three levels that he uses. He has like so disguises, Mark, basically. Yeah, yeah. He, that's the thing. He is Mark Spector yes. by and large, and then he's boring got, American mercenary. <laughs> boring american mercenary he's got the rich one who is the person who brings the money in for the organization and then there's stephen lockley who is very briefly in this season of moon knight but is a taxi driver who keeps his ear to the ground to like yeah streetwise jake lockley yeah (laughs) talking to pimps and stuff yes Um, jake lockley not steve lockley i'm getting all the characters confused and then eventually as it happens people start to get like interested in the idea of the three personalities and have it become oh he's actually like probably the words they would use back then would be schizophrenic rather than yes. DID, even though very, very different diagnosable medical conditions are the uh-huh. two of those things. Wild um, how long that lasted, people <laughs> thinking schizophrenic was split personality, and we don't even say split personality anymore. Like, yeah, No, you um, have like alters and, yes. and dissociative identity disorder and whatnot, which yeah. is obviously where we are now with the character, and there's a lot more care going into uh, yeah. the depictions of it and moon knight is just one of those characters who i think more so than any other character we've covered is just they bring him back every kind of two or three years yeah. and he gets like a little tiny run i think the longest run of comics he's ever had is 60 issues which was kind of like 1989 to 1994 which is probably where a lot of the edgier stuff is coming from because yeah. it's the late 80s early 90s and everyone's influenced by by george Mil- george miller frank miller <laughs> hey did you know frank miller yeah <laughs> yeah and he's uh, like yeah. someone who just if if you're like super into comics you know moon knight but like the average person never ever seen a single image of moon knight ever like barely pops up in the like thousands of cartoons and and you know games and all you know he'll be like oh he's unlockable in marvel alliance 2 or something (laughs) but like he's not front and center anywhere really but both of us have read the kind of like I've started reading Moon Knight with the 2011 reboot with Brian Michael Bendis, yes. uh, which tied into his Age of Ultron run, where the different alters are Spider-Man, Captain America, and Wolverine, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, I, I get what you're doing here, but it feels like you're trying to like that's the series where Echo this. gets murdered, isn't it? Yes. And then uh, don't worry about it. Actually, Echo is quite an important character to us. Let's bring her back. <laughs> but like the ones after that, the the Warren Ellis, Declan yes. Chelsea run, and then probably more important, the Jeff Lemire. Greg yes. Smallwood run, which is your ah, like sac- golden a sacred golden text, text, IMO. Um yeah. But well, like, I, I last year read every first issue of a Moon Knight comic book that was available on Marvel okay. Unlimited just to kind of see how the character evolved over time. And it is really interesting how the kind of the middle years are bad. Like mm-hmm. they are just yeah. real just bad. Idealist, like, lifeless. Yeah, yeah. And then really it does like I was just like you know, the first interesting one is when Warren Ellis comes in, really, and you're like, yep. "Oh, fucking great! Like this is 
genuinely like super super compelling yeah. and then i feel like it's undisputable that jeff lemire's run is the best run on yes. a on a moon Knight comic it's, it's an like, idea that has a beginning a middle and an end and i recommend it to people because obviously it is riffing on decades of continuity but it kind of does just work in a bubble like if you've never read a moon Knight comic you can read jeff lemire's what it's like three volumes yeah it's 18 issues yeah 18 you can read that 18 issue run and you'll probably be okay just take everything at face value and roll with it and it will make contextual sense will you get slightly more out of it if you know who stained glass scarlet is yeah but who cares you can tell it in comics when a character starts popping everyone starts trying to use the character more and more <laughs> and so Moon Knight is kind of popping up in a lot of places. Like he's on the Secret Avengers during this time period. He's he's a major supporting character in a big arc in the Avengers, kind of like later on in the decade. And this show felt like the culmination of that momentum to this character, where it's like, yeah. here is us taking advantage of the wave of goodwill that's happened because someone's finally come up with a take on Moon Knight that isn't just Batman, but with like imperialism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, his very white girlfriend, his very, you know. Like, he, he is a tomb raider. He is a mercenary who is out in Africa raiding tombs. It is, it is quite literally, like, the, the origin of this character. But he is, and they he is stamped and approved by a, a, a legit Egyptian god, so it's fine. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. But now he's got Mr. Knight, who is the, the really cool-looking redesign where he's in a suit. They are playing with like all these different things. Like There's more spirituality. There's more just weirdness. It is embracing all of this stuff. Yeah. And so when Marvel announced, we are doing Moon Knight, the TV series, and we've cast Oscar Isaac in the role, mm -hmm. you, you immediately kind of go like, oh, you're taking this seriously. That's a name. <laughs> and That's like, a name. They are mentioning was... Jeff Lemire, and they are mentioning... Warren Ellis, I think they may have at some point. I don't know, but they might have skipped over Warren Ellis because yeah. of all the allegations. Well, not, not allegations. The very true <laughs> the things very that true Warren things. Ellis has admitted to and gone to therapy to sort the fuck out. Yeah. Um, also, just I, obviously the Warren Ellis section of that run is the best one, but it did actually continue to be good when he stepped back from it, and it was like yep. Cullen Bunn and. I don't remember who the third writer is, and I'm sorry. But... Uh, Brian Wood is the, Brian Wood is the second Brian writer, Wood. which is where Greg Smallwood comes in for the right. first time on Moon Knight. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, yeah, Greg that, that run continues to be good. And I, I think Declan Shelby's current run is good as well. Um, more like Let's Hunt Vampires and shit like that, but still. Yeah, good. they announced this, and both of us, coming from a position of like, <laughs> we like we like Moon Knight, the comic book. Yeah, They've cast a legitimate actor who kind of like, he's done superhero stuff, but normally in like supporting roles like he's obviously apocalypse he's obviously spider-man 2099 and into the spider-verse into a very brief cameo which will probably be expanded upon in the in this second movie and you kind of go like hmm, okay let's see what they do here and what they proceed to do is every single pitfall that has befallen prestige television since lost permit mm -hmm. essentially yeah like they have decided to go we're going to do an all-encompassing version of Moon Knight, so we're going to take every facet of the character and shove it all into one TV show. Bad, bad idea. Yeah. Like, you don't need to explain that he was a Tomb Raider at all in any point of, of this to make it interesting, but you've decided that you're going to go back to the very origins of the character rather than the very well-received reinvention of the character that happened in the last ten years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then secondly, you're going to mystery box the fuck out of this TV yes. show. Almost, Which... I think every episode ends in a a a cliffhanger and like the episode that lead. You know, everything is a, entertaining the audience is like an annoyance at the expense of telling their mystery. 
it feels like to me. And like, I can't help but look at Loki, which changed its status quo with every episode. Every episode is engaging and entertaining and, and it does its job. Um, and it, the, the teasers are not like, but who could this possibly be? It, they do that, but they reveal it the very next episode. It's not at the expense of like, hey, what's going on? And make sure the audience don't know anything. <laughs> I can picture the writer's room for this show and the ways in which they were thinking about how good and cool they were about the ways that they were like doing these things. Separating their the... shoulders from high-fiving each other so much. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just I, I can see them going like oh episode one, and again I think I think the, the the crux of the issue is is they didn't trust the audience to understand what's going on. Right. They were like Moon Knight is weird. We need to like really really drill down and explain to the audience what is happening here. But in the process, they made it fucking boring. They also and so you have this thing don't like episode really one. drill down into explaining it. They wait a really long time to like be like. Here's how he got the suit, and here's what his powers are and stuff. <laughs> I more mean about the the different identities, where it's like yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. really establish that this guy has has two identities, yeah. and he swaps between them, and they don't retain memories. Yeah, of he the doesn't other. know what's happening when he's blacking out. Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, again, that is an interesting thing to do for a television show. Mm -hmm. The issue is, is when you black out and things happen off screen, and you are a television show. I'm not saying there is an implicit need or like you should do this but it feels like at some point you're going to fill in those gaps like yeah. if you are withholding things from the narrative like again i'm not saying as a promise i'm saying oh, there probably is a good way that you could do this that isn't annoying but it feels like in this show that it's more of a cost-cutting exercise than it is a thing that actually benefits anyone like the audience or the show itself like to yeah. cut away from action and have things happen off screen like you cut back and he's killed five people you cut back and there's a car that's crashing behind him in episode one yeah. and you're like okay yeah but like you're not giving us any context behind why he's here why he's on this mission and you just kind of yeah. it's the ultimate tell don't show show because mm -hmm. they seem to be allergic to showing you anything yeah and i i was willing to let them do it in the first episode like okay i guess that's kind of cute you've intrigued me as to what happened here but it retroactively becomes bad when you at no stage reveal any of what happened and you also commit to doing it more and none of it is interesting and like a word that we landed on yesterday was like subversion and uh, you yeah. just know they think they're being super fucking clever and cute by being like everyone's expecting a huge fight what if we just don't even show it to them and it's all just the aftermath and we're doing the horror movie thing of like don't even show the monster man and it's like you have to actually be clever to subvert expectations and you have to actually be competent and at some point something needs to be satisfying you can get away with like being cute about fights and be like this isn't a show about fights this is a show about like the humans it's like okay is the human side of it interesting no like <laughs> there's just too much bullshit and like it again feels like one where they got so excited writing down their like one sentence ideas on a whiteboard and then suddenly, oh, this whole show is due to air in three weeks. We have not bothered to connect any of it up properly. Shit, I don't know. Write some stuff. We'll come back and punch it up. And they never do. And that's it. They do all these interviews. Obviously, like I was running through 
creator of the show, Jeremy Slater's credits <laughs> for you. It is not a good CV. I've heard The Exorcist show is good, which he was the creator and executive producer on and wrote four episodes. So he he did start out on television and he did start out in horror. I'm not saying that like The Exorcist TV show is like the best fucking thing that's ever aired on television, but like <laughs> there were enough people out there who were kind of going like, yeah, for like what it is, it's surprisingly solid. But then on the flip side of it, his his movies are like The Lazarus Effect, Fantastic Four, Death Note. His next script is a Godzilla vs. Kong sequel. He developed the Umbrella Academy, only mm-hmm. wrote the first episode, but the show was created by someone else. Who has a is... much better CV. <laughs> yes. So like he's coming into this with, yes, he's worked on The Exorcist, is like his TV credit, but like his movie work inspires no faith. In this man being someone who would know how to how to write and structure a television show, and that, and, and, and that, I mean, we won't dwell on it because I do actually, I don't think I agree. A lot of people are like this should have been a movie, and it's like, but this guy isn't good at movies either. Yes, <laughs> but like all the interviews that come out, they keep saying things that sound like they know what they're doing or sound like they have ideas behind it. So you have the directors of the show talking about like we need to really nail the depiction of Egyptian culture. Mm. And so, like, obviously, they didn't shoot on location in Egypt because Egypt is a, a tough country to to shoot in, especially they with what shot, is going on in the world. They shot in Jordan for a week. They shot in Jordan, which is why you get some location shoot, like some location scenes there. But the rest of it feels like I understand you're trying to depict a culture, but the the show feels like it's got no interest in depicting Egyptian culture for more than those kind of like fleeting moments of like, yeah. here's some people eating dinner before this fight happens, mm. and like we're not doing the like very traditional ways that western movies depict egyptian culture and it's like, well, yeah, like good yeah you have muhammad diab out there like going on tirades about how like he is justifiably angry at how movies depict africa like it's all sand and dirt and everyone is still in the like 1200s or earlier and there's no buildings, and there's no electricity, and, you know, to this, to this day, you show people images of African cities that have skyscrapers, and they're like, whoa! And, like, you know, Hollywood loves to slap the sepia tone on anything set in the Middle East, or South America, or anything like that. It's like, yeah, you're right to be angry about that. I'm excited for you to show me different. And what do they do? Kind of three seconds of aerial footage of Cairo at night, and then we're on a boat that could be anywhere, and it's all just sound stages, and to be honest, they do show more of just sand and like <laughs> because they're going to they're going to the pyramids, they're going to yeah. tombs, they're going out into like those locations that we've seen in movies so many times because yeah. this is still an imperialist view of yeah. Egypt fundamentally because yeah. that is what the basis of this is. And I'm not saying that isn't an important part of like Egyptian culture, but obviously. Yeah. The the religions that are shown in this are no longer worshipped in Egypt. No, yeah, and that's the like, other thing is is this again like fascination with the idea that people in Greece still pray to Zeus and people in Egypt still pray to like fucking Osiris and like it's like no, I don't think in any way actually. But yeah, and then and then the one that the one that I took issue with mm. just I think it was Slater yeah. came out and was just like episode five. The is kind our of, big Jeff Lemire. <laughs> is our big Jeff Lemire episode that we took a load of inspiration from The Leftovers. Oh yes, he name dropped um He names drops he named drops the best Assassin episode of television. And, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, We are doing that in the episode. And Don't don't it, say the name of the 
I think in my review, I was like, yes, in the same way that I am inspired by Michael Jordan to play basketball, but I at least have the decency to not charge people to watch me. (laughs) I understand, like, it's an episode about someone visiting, like, a waiting room in between life and death (laughs) and and processing their trauma. Mm -hmm. The thing is, the way that The Leftovers processes that trauma is through analogy and and kind of like weird images that like don't have a one-to-one response or anything like that like mm-hmm. that is an episode of television where the main character has to drown a little girl in a well mm-hmm. it, 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 no basis in any other thing that's ever happened in the show no. in asylum it's let's revisit the past trauma of the main character yeah see it happen go through a door like, relive a memory yeah and and in, and in that way because you've relived the memory you have conquered your trauma tick yeah done Dunzo. Oh, hey, sorry I made us miss the shiver of our mother. Um, and you were just wandering America when you think you're from London. Wow. <sighs> sorry I made you up to deal with being abused by our parents. <laughs> the thing is, it is a show that is, for what should be weird and what should be structured in an interesting manner and, like, all of these different things, it is depressingly literal. Yes, in every single thing that it's it's doing, like especially like episodes like two, three, four, and six, like everything is just straight up. It is what you are seeing. <laughs> yeah, like the the fact that in episode four, the main character gets shot and ends up in an asylum mm-hmm. or in an institution, however you want to yeah, describe it. They call it asylum. I mean, yes, yeah. he ends up in this location, and the show is kind of going like, "Ooh, maybe it's been in his head the entire time." And it's like. Uh-huh. If you want me to believe it's been in his head the entire time, you need to introduce the concept that he's in this place before you shoot and kill him. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot do it now because it feels like this is somewhere that he's gone when he dies. And then the start of the next episode, they are flitting back and forth between the meeting with, with Tarot and and with Harrow in the kind of in the office. Yeah. And they're flitting and we'll between these two different books. Yeah. There will be a we'll lot of Harrow. Harrow. <laughs> Can I just do my and little rant like, about Jeff oh, yeah. here? Because, like, the reason that run is is fucking great is because it is plausible that Mark has invented all of it. Because, historically, nobody has ever fucking spoken to Konshu. And at the time, I think Moon Knight had basically never been witnessed, or very rarely witnessed by credible people doing anything fantastical. For a long time, he's just a dude with gadgets. Like, maybe he's quite fast, maybe he's quite strong... He's not, like, superhuman. He doesn't team up with people that often. If he does, he's like, the secret Avengers, the yeah. Defenders. And they all, and even then, none of them believe him. Like, they all talk yes. shit about him behind his back. They all think he's crazy. And then you do a run where it is put to him, this, you are wrong about all of this, and you are mentally ill. And it works, because there is no direct proof to the contrary, really. There's what we've seen, but he's an unreliable narrator, potentially. We've fucking seen in the show... <laughs> In the first four episodes, categorically, all of it is real. Other people know of Konshu, talk about Konshu. We see the fucking pantheon, the, the Aeneid. When when they meet Tarot in Asylum, or at the end of the tomb, they meet this god. You're mm-hmm. like, well, okay, that's the answer then. They're, yes. in the, they're in the afterlife. Yeah. And the show still flips between Harrow giving him like a therapy session and them reacting to like all the memories and stuff like that. It's like, there's no tension here. There is nothing here that makes me think that this is not exactly what we think it is in one of these stories and not the other one. Mm -hmm. 
and it's what again like you you're higher on asylum than i am and it does have some well, good acting from Oscar I, isaac it's, we've got to be careful about words like high because <laughs> it's all a scale higher yeah exactly like i think even asylum is bad i still think it is the best of these bad episodes just because three four and six in particular are some of the worst stuff mark i think six is fucking atrocious and five didn't like constantly piss me off every second. There's something, you know, there's some acting going on. And that shouldn't, that's a very low bar, but, you know, they trip over it all the fucking time. So to me, though, it just feels like it's a failure in its entire like setup. Yeah. Like when you've undercut the tension that is this real not mm-hmm. within like five minutes, yeah. there's no fucking point in doing it. You're just it. wasting my time just to be like, look what we're pretending to be. And, that was it like we've talked about like how to fix this show a lot and at some point there was a suggestion what if you start in the asylum and like i can never help but look at legion in direct comparison a show that like i thought most people agreed legion season one is really good and then everyone stopped watching except me and i think it was fantastic the whole way through and it's like one of my favorite shows ever so i realize i'm warped here and i'm biased but like legion does all of this better like the the handling of david who has multiple personalities and like there is an element of like is he just deeply unwell and everything you know playing with reality and like his perception of it versus what actually happened and stuff like that all of that is handled sublimely better (laughs) than moon Knight, which is just we know this all happened some fucking people saw mark hanging upside down fighting an invisible guy in london layla knows the jackal is real like and you think they're gonna do that because it's like Episode one ends with him being chased by the jackal through the museum. He changes off camera and has his first fight and walks to camera. It's the trailer shot. Isn't he a badass? Blah, blah, blah. Episode two starts with, like, we're going to look at the footage. There's no evidence this happened. And here's Mark walking to camera and staring like a psychopath. (laughs) And it's like, okay, they're going to do this. They're going to, like, make it plausible that, like, he is not a credible person. But then they proceed to throw all that out, and there is no shadow of doubt that other people are witnessing supernatural things happening constantly. <laughs> yes. It, it it continually undercuts itself. Is, <laughs> yeah. Is, is the central issue with this show. Is it like, we're going to do something where we're going to lay out a mystery. It's like, it's not a mystery. It's plainly obvious what you're going for. You're being way too obvious, way too literal. And the fact that you won't just just tell me the answer to this instead like dragging me on for another two episodes until you feel like mm. giving me a definitive answer is just wasting my time yeah yeah and maybe I, some of that is me coming from like i've read the moon knight comic books i know what moon knight's deal is and so yeah. i've just got less patience for this and but at least you could make it interesting yeah i said that about the first episode where i think a lot of people were like really into it that had never heard of moon knight and i was more like i know he has did i know what we're going for here so i'm like give me a a hook beyond that and it never came and i was like maybe i'm just being too harsh because i'm you know you can't assume a level of knowledge about a character you should and it would be bad if you did like you should make shows that are accessible for people who have never ever heard of any of these things before but it goes so far beyond that to just like (laughs) it's just dumb and like i just always feel they needed to pick a lane and they were trying They've almost got ADD about the show. Like, oh, we could do this, and we could do this, and we could do this. And it's like, maybe just do one thing really well. Like, 
Okay, be campy it, it feels... or be psychological. Don't try and be both. Like... Yeah, it feels like they were trying to cover all the bases of Moon Knight because yeah. Moon Knight's character has had so many different public initiatives and so many different ideas behind it. Yeah. But the thing is, they don't add up to a cohesive character. And yeah. so therefore they don't add up to a cohesive show. There are probably some writers that could weave that into being a cohesive character. But there is a yeah. reason why basically yeah. every single run since like 2010 has dropped one element of the character in yeah, favour yeah, of doing yeah drilling down into other parts absolutely it it reminds me of what grant morrison did with batman and that comic is arguably unadaptable because i think you can get away with that a little bit more in comics where morrison is like hey batman's been really different over the decades and everyone basically ignores one version for the like there is no way that a more frank miller christian bale inspired Batman can coexist with the Adam West campy 60s one. And Grant Morrison goes, all right, bet. (laughs) And there's like, everything happened. Like, we're going to do a thing where, like, there is an arc in which we're going to reveal that Batman was, like, high on LSD for several years and, like, being influenced in these different adventures and stuff like that. And it's yeah. like... And it works, and it's 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 miraculous that it works. And yes. I went from, like, Morrison skeptic to, like, oh, Morrison fucking rules. And <laughs> Moon Knight isn't that. It's just truly sad that, like... I mean, it's just, it's just like, they continually have ideas that feels like, if you flesh this out, you could have done something really great. Like, again... Mm-hmm. Not, I don't want to try and fix the show because I think that's the worst kind of premise for a podcast you could possibly have <laughs> is to go through and basically go like, here's how I would do it. Because yeah, I yeah. am not I am not a screenwriter with credits to my name. No, I have never no. written something that has been published. I've never written something that's won awards or anything like that. Yeah. So I am not in a position to go like, I could fix this. I'm, yeah. I'm not. Even that. bad like, writers are more qualified than we are. Like, it's just, we're yeah. just an audience. But I'm just thinking like the start of episode, end of episode four when they're in the, in the asylum and he's watching the Stephen Grant movie on television. I'm mm-hmm. like, is this a more interesting avenue to go down? Mm-hmm. To start in the asylum and then have yeah. the traditional Moon Knight stuff with Oscar Isaac in the Stephen Grant role playing on a television. And yeah. so like, you're continually flipping between the real stuff that's happening with on the TV show with Stephen Grant with the British accent and stuff like that. And like, you can do all this stuff with Layla, but it's filmed in this like shitty old, like throwback 1940s style kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. also have the stuff in the asylum and you're continuously like the stuff that looks fake is the actual real stuff. And then yeah. you come back and you refilm it in like glossy 35 millimeter or whatever you want to do for it. And all. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and you shoot like a like black that, and white old Hollywood mummy movie kind of thing. Exactly, for a and few again, minutes. that comes yeah. that comes down to the whole thing where like my bugbear with these things that like make references to previous genres and stuff it's like being that a is bad they never, version of it. Yeah. yeah, well, they never commit to doing it in the yeah, style of that. And I think that's the problem. I think Marvel have had this problem for a couple of years now in general, and Moon Knight is like really endemic of it you're like they're just fumbling around loosely limply at ideas and pointing and being like hey is this something and it's like a child's like you know when they do a drawing and they're like and then he's got shit loads of hair and it's just squiggles or whatever it's like that and then they're asking the audience to like write tumblr essays to fill in the gaps for them and if you do that i have no doubt that gives you a massive emotional investment but to pretend what is on the screen is what is in your head is not fair I mean, that's the thing. It's like it feels like I saw someone the other day, like basically say, like I think superheroes are near to burnout point, and it's hard to disagree with that. Like it's hard not to look at the slate of superhero movies that came out last year and see Strange and Black Panther are movies that we both like, mm-hmm. but are both very compromised movies. I think. I think like they're both. They make it through on the strength of creative vision, 
Mm-hmm. But the stuff that's dragging them down is the MCU stuff that's kind of like in there and like this is the worst part of the movie. Yeah, the MCU as a as a living ongoing thing has become, you know, it started out as the strength and it is now becoming almost the poison pill. Like even though this is the the least connected of anything that they've done so far is movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there is no like there is one reference to Black Panther in this TV show and then everything else is like almost blinders on yeah. will not acknowledge any other part of and this like maybe that's why th- some people like it so much i don't know maybe i think like it also it. is like it is like jet fuel for youtube channels that do easter eggs and theories and and stuff because there are like so many little background details and it's like I, you know i always appreciate that stuff but it shouldn't be at the expense of it being good like but then you, also you having completely... like the animals that make up Armit in the gift shop. It's like that's cute, but like Armit sucks. So what was that for? <laughs> it also completely ignores the way that Thor has been presenting gods as like these are real things that came to Earth at one point mm-hmm. and interacted with humanity, and instead all of these gods like exist on an ancestral plane. Well, and, they like... withdrew from the physical plane, isn't that what they say? That like they okay they have chosen to retreat to whatever weird subspace space they live in but there's no expansion on that there is no real they seem to have a light disdain for humanity but like still yes. act through their avatars and like obviously Konshu and Armit work differently than the others and that is never explained like why do we have two that give people magical powers and everyone else is just a person in a suit talking in a god voice they've got some magical powers like the one who's I think it's Osiris like has like the ability to like create shackles and stuff like that on sure but they're not like running around doing martial arts and like no having special suits and and stuff like that and like the others all seem to be able to make their avatars like they embody them whereas can't say for sure about harrow but we know for a fact that mark is has some degree of of autonomy and maybe they're gonna say it's the did is what allows him to defy him because there's no like he's he's resistant to um telepathy and stuff in the comics because it's a mess in there, I think is how they phrase it. Seems inconsistent with how they've handled like Legion versus like Emma Frost and Professor X and stuff, but you know, we'll go with it. But yeah, yeah. But back to back to kind of like the the death of, of the superheroes as genre. Is sure, it feels sorry, like yes. someone said, I don't think superheroes can die because they can embody so many different genres. Yeah. And the thing is They don't. And the thing I think that is an <laughs> argument against that is like, yes, superheroes could embody yes. different genres. The thing is Everyone is scared to commit to being a different genre in a superhero yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah. Like, and it takes only the slightest touch of something for like certain sectors of the internet to be like, "Oh, they're doing a horror." You know, this is horror. It's like it's 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 bumping at horror. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, like Winter Soldier is a seventies paranoid thriller. It's like, not. It's fucking it, not. I mean, it's it's making hat tips to it yeah. until there's three giant helicarriers they're trying to take down. Yeah. Like this is this is not. Yeah. A 1970s movie which ends with a gigantic CGI like a, a, attack or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. this TV show is making references to Indiana Jones and the Mummy, but mm. then it ends with a giant fucking kaiju fight because you, yeah. there is no restraint in this yeah. whatsoever. She Hulk like, is and, not a legal show. Doctor Strange is not a horror movie. Like you know, none of these things that they're masquerading at. Like they're they're wearing a hat, but they are yeah. not the thing. <laughs> And it, uh, so it is really like, frustrating that like no one seems to be able to truly escape from Marvel's homogenized, offend nobody, play in all markets, schlock. And I think that's what people want. Is like I would be a lot kinder to a lot of the stuff in these phases if they 
fully committed to what they wanted to be. But the thing is, it feels like and there's someone it's... who's come along and go, like, we, we have a, there is a structure, there's a superstructure of a superhero movie that always ends with a big act three. I'm like, you, yeah. you don't need to do that. Like, you proved yeah. that with Civil War. You got your big fight scene out of the way at the end of act two, and then you actually have, like, a more personal yeah. interaction between characters in, in the third act and stuff Sa- like that. Same like, with Loki. Like, you do your big, yeah. sexy Marvel ending in five, and then six is a conversation and a 30-second fight that makes me care. And I think especially on TV... Movies, I understand. You're going for your worldwide box office. You want your billion dollars. You've already pissed off China and felt the the consequences of it, so you don't want to keep doing that. Comparatively, the 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 Disney Plus audience is tiny compared to their potential movie audience. They have the opportunity to take risks on television that they are that they will probably never take in movies, and yeah, they don't. <laughs> Did you see the article the other day that was basically saying, like, here are the most watched movies on streaming services of last year? And you know what yeah. number one was? Encanto. Uh, oh, yes, Encanto, yeah, yeah. Encanto like... was the number one movie that was watched and on all streaming services. And you know what Encanto yeah. did? Released in cinemas and made $120 million before it. <laughs> it did. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, you can tell what things are popping because people are talking about them. Yeah. Like I can't scroll without seeing a Homelander meme or argument or something. <laughs> but, like, nobody's um, fucking talking yeah, about like, these. And the the other thing that happens is is you have these shows that are scared to commit, and then also they are just going like, who is someone that we ha- ha- can come in and pitch us a story on this? Mm. And you just end up taking pictures from people who don't seem to actually care about like the thing no. that they're doing or don't we, have. The we've talent. talked about this that like it should be led by pitch, not by we're doing a Moon Knight show. Whether you know we don't care who works on it, somebody will come in and talk for it and do it. But it should be okay. Here's the vault. Pitch us some characters. If we like your idea, you can make a thing of it. And it's the complete yeah. opposite. We're like, we are making Captain Marvel. We are making She-Hulk. We are making Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah. Herschel Ali has come to us and said he wants to do Blade. Therefore, so Blade we're is going to do Blade. Yeah. So has anyone got an uh, idea we're for Blade? For a director. No. Wait, no, the director has been scared off because we want too much creative control. Uh, we'll give it to someone else. Yeah. And the people they're getting are, you know, there's a general problem of Netflix has killed showrunning. Like, no one is coming in with like hardcore TV pedigree anymore, and they're all just, and it, you know they're they're coming from shows that have bad habits because of what binging has done to episodic format and stuff like that. And you just, yeah, like I feel like most of the people who work on this show have predominantly Netflix backgrounds. Um, I think that's the case of almost anyone. It's the it's the yeah. place that has so many different writers' rooms. But the thing is, because they don't want unions or well, there is a obviously there's the guild, yeah. the screenwriters, but because they basically want to go like, no longer is it a room of twenty people writing twenty episodes of TV in nine months. It's now a room of six people writing a season of television in six weeks that you get paid by the episode for, yeah. but you'll disband the writers' room before the show starts producing, so the directors can take control of the show. Mm-hmm. And but the directors aren't particularly interesting mm-hmm. because there's two yeah. directors directing three episodes apiece that are all from Netflix shows. Yeah, and they're all sock puppets for Kevin Feige. So yeah, it's, it's just this continually like you're you're losing and losing comp- like interesting creative people, and then you look at like what. HBO is doing, and you're like, oh, fuck it, everyone involved in The Watchmen could run a show if they wanted to at yeah. this point, and oh, most God. of them are going off to go produce their own shows, or like, The Last of Us is like stopped with people who like have actual fucking television pedigree at this yeah, point. Chernobyl and, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and it's like, or Succession is even like, there are people who have written Succession episodes and gone on to create their own shows because they can, they actually have learnt in a proper writer's room that is like constructing these things, 
in good and interesting ways and stuff like that. The few people... They're not even that good, but I feel like the people at Marvel who are making slightly better things, they come from, like, Rick and Morty and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like... And that's the thing. Is like Rick and, like, there is obviously an issue with, like, the Rick and, Mortific- Rick and Mortification of television, <laughs> where it feels like an awful lot of people who, who worked on Rick and Morty are now running Marvel at this point. Yeah. And on the one hand, you've got uh, the Michael Waldrons of the world. Yes. Um, that's who I'm talking about, is you know, yeah. Waldron. I, uh, in my opinion, has made two of the, like, if you want to say three best things that have come out in the last two years, for, for me, at least. And, yeah. I think, I think there's someone else who's, like, also come from uh, from Rick and Morty. And it, it makes but, sense, yeah. because before that, they were coming from Community. Like, you know, yes. the Russos and, and others, I think. The, 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 the team of writers on the Spider-Man movies yeah, are from yeah, Community. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Harmon obviously did a, did a script punch-up on Doctor Strange and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. It's so they're just so like, like, hey, you're making successful TV. Can we borrow all of your disciples, please? Yeah, and then, but that's the thing is like, Waldron did an interesting season of television because he learned how to make TV. And then season two of Loki is being written by a different guy and directed by the moon, like the secondary Moon Knight, moon Knight director. That is such a depressing idea as well <laughs> that we're going from Kate Heron, who had a singular grasp and vision and voice, to, oh, remember Moon Knight? Yes. <laughs> Um, very telling. We have talked about this for so long, and there is not a mention, well, briefly, of Harrow and Layla, and because that is the other problem to me. You have this tiny cast where Oscar Isaac is playing two of the characters, and yet somehow, <laughs> Layla is only in three of six episodes and doesn't really get anything satisfying to do in them. Really, that I think one of my favourite elements that does work for me but doesn't go far enough is this idea that, like, she is attracted to a version of her husband who is more sensitive, more cultured, more sophisticated. But awkwardly, he can't fuck, (laughs) basically. Like, she kisses him and it's awkward and it's bad. And I think that is genuinely kind of an interesting concept, that, like, this guy's a dick, but he's got good dick. And then this guy (laughs) is nice, but doesn't get away. <laughs> again, like interesting idea. Yeah, this guy doesn't go anywhere. Is, like this guy is one whole great person. Yeah, but because yeah. of trauma in his life, he is two separate people who are good at different things. But like, yes. they cannot be the singular good person that they potentially could be if they were like yeah. got their shit in order. And you see it in episode one with like at some point he's asked out. Well, I think Jake is who did it. Is the reveal there? But like Jake asked out someone who works with him. He shows up to a date he doesn't even realise he asked about, and then he doesn't know, you know, he's missed it because he had a a blackout and everything, and it's like, you know, there's a version of you that exists that's got the game to get a lady like this, but if you show up, you're going to fuck it. (laughs) But none of this is is done anything with, and Layla, like, we we have a teased past with, you know, her father, um, and we know that, like, Mark is involved, and, like, Anton Mogar, yes. You know, the actor died. I I think he died after they'd filmed it. I don't yeah, think he did die after they filmed it. Exactly. So they deliberately didn't feature him ever again. But there's a tease of like, oh, Layla has a past with him. And we spend what, twenty five minutes in his corner of the episode that achieves kind of nothing because there's a MacGuffin scarab that Harrow gets, but don't worry, there's actually a second one, it's a map. Oh, but here's Harrow to burn it. But actually, he got away with bits of it and managed to piece it together anyway. And they're going to beat the people who had the original MacGuffin to the location. All of this endemic of bad television. 
And then Layla, like, isn't in the fucking flashback episode where we're unpacking moments from his life. And I'm like, okay, cool. Show me how he met Layla. Show me, like, him bonding with Layla's father. Show me fucking Bushman. And we'll get into that. Um, And all of that. Not there. Not present. Doesn't matter. All about Oscar Isaac. And then in the finale, she's talking to corpses, gets a magic suit, and then, like, after they win, no closure with her, because they're just going to pop off to live together in London. Her last shot in the show is her reacting to... Uh, Jake Lockley murdering like everyone in the scene because again they yeah. can't fucking resist themselves. The last minute they're like, we're going to do one more blackout, and it's like yep. people were theorizing from episode one that there were two alters living within his brain, mm-hmm. and the show did like if the show teased it, I have no fucking clue whether or not it was a tease or whether or not they it was kind just of tease in three, the third one, because I think That's Mark like doesn't take credit for that knife exchange. I think yes. Yeah. They, when he wakes up in Egypt and when he doesn't take credit for the knife thing and like yeah, yeah, and people yeah. were talking about in episode one when then like you can see three reflections. It's not just two, there's a yeah. third one in there as well. And when you learn and that it, like Mark because Mark and Layla are like separated, but like Mark has only done it to protect Layla. It's not like Mark is out banging, so it's like clearly he didn't ask out this lady. I mean maybe he did. But again it, it feels like it's a complaint that we're gonna have against She Hulk later on, which is like if you're going to do this, commit to teasing yes. it out. Don't just like forget about it. Don't for, like, subvert two or three for the sake ago. of subversion, and don't like let your ideas go cold. If you're doing something, do it. If you're if if it doesn't mean anything, don't put it in. And like they waste so much time on this show. Like that that whole detour I just said, where they go to Mogar and everything. What is actually achieved there that couldn't have been done more sophist- in a more sophisticated manner with like. I don't know, they saw the location before Harrow took the scarab off them. So they've got the head start of they already know how it works and where to go or something. And yeah, but for Layla to be such a lack of presence when I think her actress is is good and, and trying her very damn best to make something of bad writing. Yeah, she's good. She's She is probably my favourite part of yeah. Rami as well, the TV show that she's on. Because yeah. um, I watched all of that beforehand. I was like, oh, this is exciting. You've yeah. got someone who's like fun playing this role and stuff like that yeah. who's, who's good at doing this kind of thing and it's probably and nice is... to give him a wife who has a more Egyptian like heritage than his incredibly white wife Marlene in the comics like cool sensible change but she's Although th- but then you've got that the thing that really grates me is in the final episode yeah. when she's like in the in the Scarlet Scarab outfit and she's uh-huh. like kicking ass and stuff like that yeah. and then she saves a small girl's life Mm-hmm. And the girl kind of turns to her and says, like, oh, my God, are you an Egyptian superhero? And she goes, like, yes, I am. And it's like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't get to pat yourself on the back no. for, for... I understand what you're going hey, for. representation. It's good, we, it's good that we've got representation. Yeah. But it feels like the exact same thing that happens in Endgame where all the female characters are, like, walking towards the screen. It's like, none of these are leading characters in their own movie yet, and you just killed off the lead central female Avenger, yeah, like, 20 minutes ago. Yeah, you have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and didn't give her a funeral, and <laughs> to this day didn't get the recognition Tony gets and everything. But Thunderbolts is going to be a sequel to Black Widow. Of course. Why wouldn't it be? But yeah, so she kind of gets the short shrift, even though I think she's good, and the some of the best stuff is directly yeah. involving her. And then your fourth human character, because as I said, Oscar Isaac is playing two of the four, Harrow, Ethan Hawke, notable MCU hater. Gave many quotes over the years saying Marvel is like fucking up the industry. Fuck Marvel, basically. Finally, Do you remember when we were watching the show and I turned to you and said, 
at least Ethan Hawke is going to be in Glass Onion later yes. on this year. <laughs> and he rocks out with his Harrow haircut for his one scene. <laughs> yeah, they got him. It's like, oh, cool. So you're, you're going to have a show where you've got Oscar Isaac acting opposite Ethan Hawke. That sounds cool. Arthur Harrow is a terrible character. <laughs> like, you've, you've pulled a really niche guy. And like I was saying, you know, there was some people were like, oh, is he Dracula? Is he someone else? So no, they've just pulled a niche character. Not necessarily bad. They've done great things with niche characters before, and it's kind of arguably a blank canvas. Do what you want, no baggage. Apparently, Fine. they wanted they wanted someone to be like the opposite of Moonlight, like a former Fist of Conchu, uh-huh. which is kind of if you look, it, one of Moon Knight's problems is a lot of his villains are just evil Moon Knight. Um, yes, there's like Midnight well, Man and Shadow Knight, and there's a there's I think they revealed that. Moon Knight is like the left hand, the left fist of Konshu, and there's a right fist of Konshu to correspond. Yes, and I think and... like the they had like a sun god one. Yes, they did do that. Um, yeah. So uh, that after after the mayor, like they did, yeah. What was the name of the character? But like they did that, and I think that was one of the characters they were taking inspiration yeah. for. Was this kind of like again opposite has a cult kind it, of thing? It, it's the like laziest thing to do in superherodom. They do it in comics, like, and we just described a bunch of them. It's just the hero but evil. And like, I get yeah. I get the impulse to do it. But like, okay, fine. Harrow, niche character, blank canvas, do what you want. Fine. The execution of what they do with Harrow is abysmal. Because they're like, okay, he's in a cult. He's walking on glass. Look at all his followers. He's weighing people's souls and pre, you know, judging them. And it's like, okay, cool. However, he proceeds to change in zero ways from episode one to zero to episode six. Teleport around the world show up when the script demands he needs to say something and then disappear again. The most egregious one being episode three. Yeah, where he, he shows up four times, but like yeah. every single time he shows up, he is just walks into the scene and is just like, I'm here now and I'm going to do exactly. my bit, little bit of exposition. Exactly. And saying things like he only exists when the script demands him to, I mean, obviously, if you're being very literal, every character only does that. <laughs> but like, I want to believe he is a three-dimensional human being who's doing things when I can't see him. In the same way that I want to believe the geography of every movie and every TV show. There is no way to tell how far apart the dig site is for Ahmet's tomb and the pyramids. Could be ten minutes down the road, could be a fucking four-hour like drive. Literally no way to tell, because characters like, teleport fi- around. <laughs> in the final episode, when, yeah. like... Like he, like he, uh, Conchu resurrects Mark yes. and like puts him in the suit and is just like, I'm still the controller of the night skies, and then like creates and he can a fly wind now, gust, yeah. and now he flies. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, if you're just controlling the wind and he's obviously like floating along, is he like descending the entire time, or are you like, <laughs> like, like how, how far does he have to fly? How fast is he flying? Like, yeah. what and is like, going on here? In the meanwhile, Layla ran. <laughs> I don't think Layla has a vehicle. <laughs> yeah, characters just. Go to a place and do a thing and don't worry about why. And that has been a problem that a lot of movies have had over the last 15 years or so. That just stuff happens and don't worry about how it connects. And like, this is a show of people go places, do things, and you don't know why. They are talking about it at one point, And the audience has no fucking clue what it is. But it's treated as if we do. <laughs> like, like, they've just removed a scene where they say... We're going to try and find Armit's little statue and destroy it, or, or whatever they're trying to do. And I'm just the thing that I found most frustrating about this is it's like, again, I've complained about showing not telling, mm-hmm. and this show is all tell. Yes, 
like like a hundred percent tell and so you get the the monologue in episode two when they're mm. wandering around this commune that they built in London, yes. in, in the worst part of London, and they've managed to make it so that no one locks their doors. No one locking their doors is a very American thing. Yes. Like no sane person in England doesn't lock their front fucking door. No. Like like just just not a concept. And like keys under doormats. It's like no one, surely no one does this. Doors lock automatically in the UK yeah. on a base level. An awful lot of places. Like oh, there are yeah. two locks and a door. There is. Yeah. One that goes automatically and then a deadlock. Yeah, the worst Insane part of concept. East London that looks suspiciously clean and crime free. <laughs> and he's like walking around and going, like, I used to be the fist of Conshu, but like <laughs> I I am no longer that. And yes. it's like, okay, why? And he's like predicting everything Conshu's saying, and I'm like, okay, yeah. What? Okay. Why did you have a falling out other than like, oh, I liked Amit, and so I decided to follow Amit? And it's like, okay, but like. What happened here? It's obvious that the Aeneid know who you are, mm-hmm. but it feels like they, they played no part in stripping you of your avatar powers. Oh, you just like, pieced out on it. And... Like, why are these two plot points not linked? Why are yeah. you not building Konshu to be unreliable and kind of on the outs with the gods by the fact that he abused a previous avatar? Like That feels like mm-hmm. the, the most basic fucking thing that you could do in this show to give like what hap- like what happens in the scene some more weight and instead what happens is is the Aeneid spend the entire scene diagnosing Mark with DID <laughs> and going like you've chosen a mentally unstable person uh, therefore you're under under scrutiny now we'll just send Harrow back to where he was the where he was coincidentally being a place with the scarab being at the tomb of Armit which they de- exactly teleport what they, literally yeah. <laughs> exactly the location and I know they say it's been hidden from the gods. They don't know where it is. He's just wandering around in the desert. It's like, yeah. he's wandering around the desert with a fucking dig site when someone's come to you and said, he's looking for Armit. Exactly. Like, hey, maybe take a glance outside. No, we will not be doing that. But you, how dare you come to us? <laughs> like, the characters are just willfully stupid for the plot to happen. Yeah, and yeah. I know people complain about, like, this happening an awful lot. And, and the thing is, like, I would buy it if they were looking after Mark's health as a yeah, priority yeah, yeah. because of a previous interaction that happened with Harrow where he was being abused. Yeah. Like, that to me feels like something to do. We must protect the... you from Conchie because of Conchie's yeah. track record. And yeah, yeah. yeah, and like you look at people who complain about fucking Last Jedi and the fact that, like, to bring up another Oscar Isaac vehicle, the fact that people don't believe well, that... People Holger hate would... that like, she withholds the plan from him. And I'm like, why? Why should she tell him? Who the fuck is like, they he? Have done, they have done the legwork to say that he is someone who did a fucking suicide mission that killed an awful lot of good rebels. Yeah, he done fucked like... up. <laughs> like... Why would she trust him in any way? And also, what right does he have other than he's a he's a feature character in a movie? Like in in the fiction, she outranks him. He doesn't get to know her plans. Like, calm but then the here fuck it's down. like you just need to give me the emotional thematic yeah. reason for why something is going to happen, and yeah. I will go along with it. Yeah. And the show doesn't. No. Things happen because they have to happen the way that they happen. Yeah, with yeah. no thought into why characters are interacting the way that they are or doing the things that they do yeah. other than plot says do this and yeah. i think that's what is so frustrating is that a lot of people like and you see it online where like people miss the point of something like thematically or emotionally and and Last they're just like us, the plot the was boys. bad like what yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why is why is sex scene in movie it doesn't oh, drive plot forward. it's like <laughs> what do you think plot, plot is <laughs> for one thing and also yeah i mean even me with my, like, I'm more of a story guy than a style guy. You high off you your ass if you think that yeah, things you, like that don't add to anything. <laughs> you understand 
themes. Like you understand things are in this not because they drive yeah. the plot forward, but because they drive the thematic weight of something. Yeah, and also and... you have to put in little quirks and like, here's this person eating breakfast. How weird! Look how weird they eat their cereal. Like that adds something. <laughs> it's not. It's got nothing to do with the plot. Like. Oh, um, but yeah, Harrow just rocks up, says a thing, and fucks off. And then he finally gets his his reunion with Amit. Is convinced that he will be the first victim of Amit because he has lived. His, you know, he's done such horrible things in her name. But she's like, no, I will make it so that you can run around and fight now after you've been walking with a cane and been no physical threat. Uh, you are then going to kick the asses of both of the main <laughs> characters in a two-on-one fight until a blackout in which Jake will resolve it. Absolute hot garbage. And on that note, like, well, I've, I've kind of got two things that split off of this, but they're different points. So, like, on the note of the fight, there is not one good action scene in this show. And yeah. they're all filmed like... at night. Like, they're all filmed <laughs> yeah. at night. They're all covered to shit. Yeah. Um, they're not... They're not fun. Yeah. They don't say anything about the characters. Mm-hmm. It really is like budget fucking Batman. But yeah. like again, like the fact that I'm now thinking, I don't think there is a single fight during the daytime. Uh, there's the knife fight. I lost like ten seconds. Sure, but like on a fucking set, or whatever. No, yeah, 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 yeah. And like they cut away from the fight in Vienna. The casting on the road is again continuously blacked out. And also the, the fight... worst looking. I think that might be yeah. the worst looking action scene in any Marvel movie that that yeah. cupcake truck thing but they got a reference to Doctor Doom in there so yeah. easter eggs for everyone <laughs> yeah then you got like the museum fight which is like a couple of punches as they like come in but you miss out we're on gonna destroy- deny it from you it's like okay fine I'm sure in episode 2 you'll do a big moon knight thing no uh, he'll be mostly fighting an invisible creature so that <laughs> they can save having to show the bad CGI that they've done they will then have a bad rooftop chase where I can't see what's happening, and he will slam dunk a jackal onto a spike. Episode three, he will fight many men at once, lose, basically, <laughs> yep. and then just run away. Four is all in the tomb, so it's, again, all at night. Yeah, no Moon Knight stuff in four, really. Five, also, no, you know, we see him gain the suit for the first time. We see the aftermath of the big slaughter, but, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then six, yeah, a really badly done two-on-one fight that they lose and then is resolved off uh, And the kaiju fight. And the bad kaiju fight. Impressive to make a kaiju fight boring. But yeah, like, I'm not saying that every superhero property has to have, like, dope-ass John Wick choreography or the raid choreography or, like, Winter so- even Winter Soldier choreography that I think people blow out of proportion but is better than what we get in most of them. You've got to have a scene, early-ish, that shows me my character being cool and what he can do. Like, this is every single superhero property has one of these, where they do a big fight and they're like, they kick ass and they're cool and like, hey, look at this cool guy. Moon Knight doesn't have that anywhere. And if I didn't know who Moon Knight was, I would assume Moon Knight is basically a comedy character who is not good at anything. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, Mr. Knight, especially. Mr. Knight coolest fucking character in the comics is just like <laughs> almost silent and just kind of like rocks up in a limo yeah. fucking does some like detective Suave, work. detective yeah like and when he fights it's like sleeves rolled up brutal daredevil hallway fight style fighting yeah there there's literally an issue of the comics which everyone <laughs> referred to as like the raid issue where it's literally he has to go one floor at a time like, yeah fight dudes he's getting more and more beat up it's really brutal so he can rescue someone on the top floor it's it's literally the hallway fight it's literally the raid it's literally dread 
whatever you want to, you know, tower block, whatever that one was. And it's good. And then in this, like, when Mr. Knight first shows up for the first time, it is literally a joke. Yes. Like, and I, I, like, I understand the impulse of tying a costume to an altar. I, I, that makes sense thematically to do, where, like, the main Moon Knight costume is Mark's, Mr. Knight is Stevens, Jake may have a third one. That's what is that design though? Because they've never done like a proper third design. The third I design, think I kind guess, of a, could be the there's one the that's armor got more, of Khonshu, uh, maybe the yeah. one with the the bones and the beak and stuff like that. Potentially, is. there's also one that's got like more black in it, and it's, they call it like a stealth armor or something. But anyway, I, I understand that impulse, but like the side effect of having <laughs> we haven't even covered this. You know, I remember when those trailers hit. And you hear this ridiculous voice, I can't tell the difference between my dreams and what's real. And I was like, oh god, this is going to be rough. And I actually think in the show he's kind of better at it than it seemed like he would be. But when Steven is just this bumbling fucking idiot who can't do anything, and then Mr. Knight is like, come on then! And he can't fight. And I'm like, oh, that's a shame. (laughs) Because Mr. Knight is the cool one. And he, like, yep. starts, you know, by the end of it, they're, like, able to share some degree of knowledge and Mr. Knight can fight a bit and stuff. But it's a shame. And then one of my other things is, like, this needed more people in it, man. Like, we needed more people for everyone to talk to. Why isn't Frenchie in this? Frenchie is, like, an Easter egg as a name in, a, in, in his phone, but, like, in the books, it's his, like, bestie, it's his mercenary bud. Crawley is credited as that living statue in the first episode. Again, someone he talks to, his man on the street kind of thing. He knows a nice lady with two kids that are, like, a big part of it. None of them are here. And then on, like, the villain side, I maintained f- throughout reviewing it that, like, his his main nemesis is Bushman. Raoul Bushman, who is just, like, a generic mercenary. He's kind of psychotic in how violent he is. It's nothing special, but, like, it's something. And it's like, what if Bushman had this cadre of mercenaries and Harrow was this weird mystical guy and they're working together, neither trusts the other, both think the other's an idiot, but they can talk to each other, and there's palace intrigue, and then you have, like, a physical threat for Mark, and a sort of more cerebral threat for Stephen, and there's stuff happening, and none of that is here. And they mention Bushman very briefly, like, my old partner, but we just cut to the aftermath of what happened there. We don't see it. Like, episode five was a chance to show, show me flashbacks, show me Layla, show me Bushman, show me the big murder portrayal thing, and none of it's there. And it's like, how does this show feel so empty? You know, like, the, <laughs> I understand that they're hanging their hat on Oscar Isaac's going to play two characters and look what a good actor he is because he can do two accents and he can shift his body language. It's like, I guess, but you had so much, much room for everything much, else. How much do you reckon the show costs to make? Too much. Because <laughs> the thing is, like, obviously there are all these stories around, like, each of these shows is going to cost $100 million dollars. Or whatever it's going to be. So yeah. obviously that then, one division is like then, the most expensive show ever, or something. Yes, yeah. and it feels like TV budgets are creeping up and up and up, and they're taking over like very much that like sixty million dollar bracket is kind of like what I'm imagining has kind of disappeared. And like fact that like, like Prey got made last year for sixty million dollars. Yeah, it feels like TV has kind of taken that. Where they go, we could spend sixty million on or sixty five as Prey was on a on a tight ninety nine minute movie. Mm-hmm. That will dump on the streaming service. I beg or... them. I beg them. Well, don't dump on a streaming <laughs> service, but I beg them to make these movies again. <laughs> or we spend that amount of money. We do ten million per episode to make a six-episode TV show, and yeah. it's like. And I think the issue is, is that like sixty million is kind of like a really nice number for an hour and a half long movie. Mm-hmm. I think when you're doing it on this kind of TV show, you start to see the seams. Yeah. 
an awful lot more in this kind of thing, or at least when you are filming it in the same way that you're filming the movies. So you require the special effects and you require all the sets and stuff like that. It's like, go film on fucking location. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Don't have a don't have a fucking like CGI kaiju fight in your final episode that's probably taken up half your season's budget. Mm-hmm. Don't CGI the suit. Make a fucking suit so it's an actual make a costume. fucking suit. <laughs> and like, like you know, they're make... talking about they want Egyptian representation and stuff. Give me the equivalent of that Skyfall fight, or like even Shang Chi did it did it in Macau. Like have Moon Knight in costume chasing people around Egyptian buildings and stuff. Like, show me some cool night shoots with neon lights behind them and stuff. None of that. None of it. But yeah, I think all of, all of these, they, they, they spend so much money on them, but they spend so much money on them in the wrong ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and money so is not really playing... on the screen. Well, it is, but like, it even still looks bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's probably, like, you're pe- probably paying Isaac his full quote. You're probably playing Hawk his full quote. Yeah. You've already sep- separated a lot of money to get the CGI fight in and the CGI yeah. suit's going to be in every single episode. So that's yeah. taking up money. And it's like, cool, what do we do now? It's like, well, I guess we get some, like, lower tier actors and no, no offense yeah. to make army who is like a really good kind of like get for this show is like yeah. a, a thing going forward and that I'm should sure... have been like a big find like oh we've made a star <laughs> yeah um, I mean, th- we got that coming up there are actual legit stars yes. that they found in this phase on television yes, but also did. there is no stars in that tv show whereas this yeah. has got two stars who probably got like million dollar plus paychecks for this mm-hmm. i would assume i know marvel is yeah. notorious for low-balling actors in their first role in a, in a Marvel thing, but, yeah. like, Isaac the is... the promise of more and steady work and high-profile work and all of that. But, like, that's the thing. It's like, you've got these actors, you've probably... Like, I can imagine... Again, we've talked about this where we've gone, like, you can tell that they gave them a pitch on, like, what was going to happen. Like, Isaac, you're going to get to play multiple different characters, multiple different a- um, accents. You're going to yeah. have fun... Well, the accent like thing was his along. idea. He's like, okay, we'll take the personalities further. I'll do different accents. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. And like Ethan Hawke, I assume they landed with the promise of, and then you're going to play a therapist and it's going to be really fun for you because you're going to be like just gaslighting the fuck out of him and being this sinister therapist. And it's like... <laughs> and instead you are a nothing character who like the, the thing you introduce of like him yeah. putting the glass in his shoes in the first episode, which they've said was an Ethan Hawke ad-lib that they filmed yeah. as like the, the very first scene of the entire show. Wow, and you're like, cool. a great precedent. <laughs> <laughs> And like you're gonna you're gonna come back to this, right? You're gonna nope. come back to this. And like they nope, do nope, nope. in terms of like penitence and like him like offering himself up to Amit in the final episode. But it's yeah. like, why is this not like the entire crux of the character? That yeah. like he is doing this in this conflicted way where he's trying to atone for what he did as the fist of vengeance. Yeah. Like yeah. Or why isn't he like the the assassin from Serenity who like I'm a monster and there's no place for me but what I'm doing is necessary kind of thing. He's not that Yeah, exactly. Either. Like there are so many different ways you can play it and instead the character is just a religious zealot yeah. with no personality who I just I just you, you don't even you don't even see what charisma he's got to convince all the people that he does because apparently he's got a worldwide network of yeah. several hundred thousand people or whatever who are like committed to this cause when in reality what he does is he walks into east london and goes this is a crime ridden area i'm gonna go judge all these fucking people presumably commits a genocide <laughs> in the wake of fucking endgame where 50 percent of the world's population has fucking died yeah yeah <laughs> to to bring it back to the mcu-ness of it all yeah. and then kill even more people and then they all go like oh thank god you got rid of all the bad people it doesn't matter that my son died my cousin died my like the, yeah. pe- the people who live down the road fucking died i now worship your egyptian god thanks for killing my baby that was one day gonna grow up and do a crime you know 
And another one where, like, giant spectacle happens that people can see in the kaiju fight. No sign of Avengers, no mention of it on the news, you know, nothing ever. But that's a problem. At least Eternals, Eternals, like, comes up at least. Eventually. (laughs) We say eventually. It came up in She-Hulk, so it was, like, nine months later. And and I think Miss Marvel may have mentioned it at some point. Yeah, exactly. um, So, like... No one mentions what happens in Moon Knight, despite the fact there was a point where, like, yeah. the sky warped back several thousand years. Well, yeah, don't, let's not get started on that. But And, like, Konshu, very briefly, like, you know, it's a cool design, and, like, I do like the scenes where, like, Konshu was coming for him down the end of a hallway kind of thing. Um, they get F. Murray Abraham, who, like, has spent a career being ethnically ambiguous, so, like, sure, you can be Egyptian. But, um, <laughs> but no, like, Harrow, like... I, he needed somebody to talk to when it, that isn't Mark or Layla. He needed a number two who he espouses his. He needs like his chief disciple, like his most loyal well, young guy. They keep on changing who that fucking person is. Where it's like, <laughs> here are the two police officers from episode two, yeah, and it's like, okay, uh, they are like orderlies at the hospital. It's yes, like, why again and directly they, like, from occasionally. But no, he needed like a he needed a most loyal guy who is like a physical threat that like Mark has got to have a big encounter with, or maybe he fights Moonlight twice and it's like, oh, you'll get him next. You know, give him somebody to speak to. Um, why is there not an airfield fight like in fucking Indiana Jones? <laughs> why is there not like that kind of thing? Like, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. If you're gonna riff on the mummy in Indiana Jones, yeah. riff on Indiana Jones and the mummy. Absolutely, get campier. Do like. You know, Mark doing wacky mercenary missions that he barely gets through because he's got all his altar shit going on, but he still gets there in the end. You know, like he's. The thing is, what the show feels like it needs to do is, at some point, it needs to do what Sensei did, (laughs) and have the altars working in unison, where like yeah, Stephen knows stuff, Mark can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, Stephen is controlling the brain and, like, analysing a tablet whilst Mark is, like, doing, like, martial arts shit to kind of, like, yep. take down people who are attacking him whilst he's trying to read it because he needs to do both of the things at the same time. Yeah. Like, let's, like, do something interesting with the yeah. idea that there are multiple personalities living inside this person's head. Yeah, which um, sense like, they had that down to an art form where, like, a guy who's been in a lot of action movies accidentally knows how to, like... <laughs> fucking shoot guns and there's an actual gangster on the team who can do stuff and oh we've got a scientist so she can make a bomb out of what's lying around and all sorts of shit which was all great but none of that and like we can kind of tie this into the i don't want to talk about the show much anymore um every episode every episode of the show we talk about the all marvel list like the best performances in every marvel project um there might be some admin to take care of but yeah i mean I would imagine most people are like adamant that Oscar Isaac would get on here easily. I don't think I would argue against him, but I'm not like ecstatic about his work. And one of the reasons for me is Mark is not interesting in any way. Steven is where he clearly sunk his teeth in and was like, right, I'm going to do a weird accent. I'm going to have weird tics. There's going to be stuff going on with me. Blah, blah, blah. The Mark scene where he just... realises that his mother is dead yes. is, like, maybe the best thing that Isaac does on this show. Yeah. Which is, like, end of episode five. But, yeah, like, that yeah. scene where, like... Again, it's probably the best acting from both Isaac and from Hawk. Yeah. Where Hawk is just, like... He knows... Like, Hawk knows... Oh, the and that's the other thing. Is he, conjure, is he casting Harrow in that role subconsciously? Or is Harrow in any way able to manipulate what is going on to try and trick him? That's the fucking weird thing about that entire set. Is, like, what is Harrow doing here? Why is he... Yeah. 
this antagonistic role in this. You haven't yeah. you've had like three conversations with him ever, and you've cast him as the yeah. ultimate arbiter of your mental health. He's clearly Hawk is more in interested in the in the therapist. The role. Ned Flanders, yeah, <laughs> the Ned Flanders, yeah. And they're doing all the shit with the third sarcophagus, and people are even theorizing that one of the therapy sessions that's Jake because he Mark slips into slightly more like regional accent and like he has more of an emotional outburst and it's like oh this is jake but then jake ends up being fucking spanish or speaking spanish we've learned from like future episodes though that they have no commitment to going back and filling in the gaps like i would love it if you went back and like if if season three opened with the other side of the fight scene from the end of season one or season three season two opened with that (laughs) season three of the show uh, okay, cool. You actually finally fucking committed to showing us a thing that happened off screen. Yeah, but like, yeah, one of my bugbears is like, you can't have season one all be a setup for season. Season one should work on its own and be satisfying. Yes. But yeah, um, I mean, going, but, going yeah, back to the actors, Oscar like Isaac, the, yeah, like, like Harrow, Harrow, like dialing the phone, knowing that his mother is dead, <laughs> and like watching Isaac, like or like watching Stephen come to terms with the fact that I don't want to answer this phone, I don't want to answer this phone. My mum screens calls, like, yeah, yeah. like she doesn't, she doesn't answer, she doesn't answer, and then holds the phone up to his face, goes, "She's dead," and then you hear the dial tone because. Yeah. Harrow wasn't speaking to anyone on the phone. Yeah, is good. Yeah, like that is good. The best acting from both of them the entire fucking season yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's actually rooted in like a character thing that was set up in episode one. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes me not want to put Isaac on the list <laughs> because if the entire show could have been that, and I don't want yeah. to reward, I don't want to reward mediocrity, and I don't think the mediocrity is coming from Isaac. I think no. it's coming from the material he's given, and he is dragging it into I think average. he's made his own fun challenge for himself to almost to amuse himself or to engage his brain is like I'm going to really make Steven you know and like we've said we're going to have to harsh uh, we're going to have to judge TV more harshly than movies like getting six episodes or more with some of these shows to to invest in and 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 have screen time and lines and different scenes and everything you are getting an advantage over a movie where it's two hours and you're only in like 30 minutes of it kind of thing. So we, we are going to have to judge more harshly TV versus movies. So are there people giving performances in movies that are not as good or, or on par with what Oscar Isaac's doing here that we've got on the list? Maybe. But if we're looking at the TV leads and the TV, like the ones that have stood out for us, like I think we went with what, like Catherine Hahn. I can't remember where we landed on Elizabeth. It must have been Elizabeth we, Olsen. We, we, Catherine Hahn, Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Hiddleston, Hiddleston, there was some debate. Like, I think we actually ended up keeping his Avengers performance. But, like, I think Majors and DiMartino got on. Is that it for TV? No, and then you're you're missing, you're missing Hayley Steinfeld. Oh, and Hayley Steinfeld, of course. I think all of them are doing more than Oscar Isaac is doing here. Yes. And I I would listen to Oscar Isaac not getting on. Because there is going to be a second season of Moon Knight. And maybe. I won't finish the maybe. <laughs> you know, it could be good. I mean, the thing is, there is. I think there is one unquestionable dis actress needs to get on this year for a television lead role. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, think just, are, I think there are two, but one more than the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, um, the, the one that I'm like 100 percent like this is just yeah. chef kiss. Like, yeah, like yeah. you, you knew the assignment and you and you fucking yeah, sold it, and no, I'm yeah. excited to see where you go from Maybe here. Maybe one of the best the other one is, casting ever, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
and I think that's where I'm kind of like I'm I'm going to use Steinfeld and, and yeah. this I, actress. I favor people mix. that wear multiple hats that fully commit that are like you've nailed this character like you're doing everything and like you know he is doing everything but like <laughs> it's bad that he's doing everything. <laughs> All there is in this show is Oscar Isaac acting, basically. And, like, I know he's a good actor. I've seen him be a good actor throughout his career. And Mark is nothing. Mark is just some guy. There is nothing interesting about Mark whatsoever. Yeah, um, I, I, th- I think, like, Oscar Isaac is an actor I run hot and cold on. I think he yeah. is someone who, when he's given the material, is fucking great. Like, he's yeah. great in Ex Machina. He's yeah. great oh, in... Yeah. Like he's actually like he's fun as Poe. He's great in Inside Llewyn Davis. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of it, you've got like he's doing serviceable work in Dune. I'm not saying he's like the the top five person for that movie, but everyone in Dune is doing like solid work, even if like, it's not flashy or anything like that. Yeah. The one that is really embarrassing is like Card Counter released in the UK kind of last February. So it's like it, I go to see it at the same time that I'm seeing Moon Knight, and it's like <laughs> oh, Card Counter is fucking Oscar Isaac giving a goddamn fucking committed performance yeah. and you're and i'm watching the two of these kind of like in in contrast i'm like boy when he's got the material isaac is is a fucking dream yeah moon knight is just him playing really yes like, he's taking and a day off almost get that paycheck like yeah. hopefully you get to show up in something that's better written at some point yeah. uh and and yeah, like they could to... use moon knight in a well-made avengers movie and maybe he's good like i kind of have hope for them collecting up their little toy box of supernatural oddities and making a fun little genre midnight suns thing maybe he'll be good there i don't know i do look at things like in the asylum episode when he's like smacking his head to be like look how crazy i am and it's like that's not a great choice is it that's like very that's that's like gcse drama kind of stuff i mean the thing is if the two things we have to set this against is is this as good as performances that Oscar has given before in movies? And I don't think I, that is I the case. don't know if that's a fair scale to use because I don't think there are many people we've got on the list where we could say, is this as good as anything they've ever done? Because Marvel in general, a lot of them are coasting a bit. I would say that like like Downey Jr., Evans, like Hiddleston are giving performances that are probably on a par with like a lot of their movies. Obviously, on the flip side of it, you've got like Defoe and Melina. Yeah. Who, yeah. who like, like we Those love like we love Kingsley like, as Slattery, but like that's he could do that in his sleep, really. I mean, he could, but I think I think <laughs> the thing is the difference is they're having fun and they're camping it up, and yeah. I think that's why we're kind of like giving it to them for those characters and stuff like that. Like, I'm all for punishing thing. Moon Knight, you know. Like if we're going to take away the one thing it seems to have as a slam dunk going for it, like I kind of would get some sick pleasure out of that. Um, I think to do a little bit of admin, I think we're actually down a person like we didn't give out enough picks last year i think we i think we are down i think we i i, I will i will endeavor to check every episode that we recorded last okay. year just to kind of see where we officially stood so we'll we'll see but i'm willing yeah, to I, say nobody from moon knight and we keep a pick for future I will, stuff i will i will, <laughs> I will say this I, I will think... put him on the maybe pile, and if we get to the end of the season we've got a spare, I might revisit him. But I'm aware of how much is coming up where I think people do deserve these more than him. So Exactly. I think I think that's the thing. It's like at the end of the season we want to have a top forty Marvel performances that we do a revamp of the top twenty five that we did yeah, yeah. um before endgame of like our favourite Marvel performances. So we yeah, want we'll to put it on the site and it'll all be updated and good and it'll be like the the cap to phase four, even though when it comes out we'll be like we'll have had at least Ant Man at this point, so maybe Maybe Majors will be like, 
oh no, they haven't done majors right <laughs> in the movies. We'll see. But yeah, I think I want to hold a pick, and then we've obviously got a whole load of people from last year even, including like Paul Bettany and Wyatt Russell, who are like yep. on that main part. On the waiting like, list, absolutely. Yeah. Who who definitely gave like really good committed performances last year that we kind of held off on because something like WandaVision, there were a lot of people that we were liked in WandaVision. There were a lot of people that we were liked in Loki. So yeah, we'll we'll see where we end up and we'll have the definitive list written up yeah. later on this year. Yeah. But for now, I'm uh, hold Isaac goes off. into a pool of like Put five him on the maybe pile. Yeah, and he's probably got a weaker case than all of those maybe people. So I'd probably I'd probably go for Bettany from last year over Isaac from this. But anyway. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because Bettany's um, doing fun. He's he is doing committed. fun. He just had the misfortune of being against two people who were doing even more fun. Yeah, and we do villain watch. How good is the villain? I think we kind of covered that at length. He's really bad. One of the worst ones, I think. And the thing is, I love Ethan Hawke. Oh, yes. One of the finest actors working. Like, like Ethan Hawke is one of those actors who, who much like Colin Farrell, kind yeah. of realised, you know what I'm good at? Not playing the fucking yeah. nominal lead of something. I'm good as a supporting performer. Yeah, like, yeah. those people who got cast as, like, hot leading men in the mid 2000s mm-hmm. and kind of, and kind of faces, yeah. yes exactly like cool and then uh, it's like I no get... i'm gonna take stuff that is actually interesting to me as i'm an actor and yes. they act and they're good at it <laughs> i do think that that hawk more than anyone though does kind of take shitty roles it does like he does kind of like two or three movies a year but when he's good he's fucking great like he he him in first reformed is much mm. like again that's the thing it's like they have cast the leads of the two most recent Paul Schrader movies, both of whom are giving two of their best performances, and it's just a fucking whiff. Yeah, what like, a waste if of... You want, if you want to not watch Moon Knight, please watch First Reformed and the Card Counter instead. Yes, um, watch Legion not seen... if you want this kind of superhero thing. Read Jeff Lemire, yeah. read Warren Ellis, read Declan Shelby. Like, you know, it's yeah. still it's not actively read, a good seen... book right now. Like, um... I've not seen Master Gardener yet, but I'm hoping that's good as the trilogy of like what, what Paul Schrader's been doing in movies. <laughs> um, we shall see. Yeah. Uh, I got depressed because I gave the Green Knight my cinematography award for last year, uh-huh. uh, and the cinematographer for Green Knight did two episodes of Moon Knight as the cinematography. Oh no, cinematography's yep. bad in Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> it is. The cinematography's great in Green Knight. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear. Right, that is so many more minutes than I envisioned talking about Moon Knight for, but when it's such a tragedy, you kind of need to address it all. If you're one of those people who's like, this is like the best thing Marvel ever done, sorry. I assume you stopped listening out of rage like an hour ago. But no, bad. Please, genuinely, the thing is, I said to myself, I want to go look at some people who's got positive opinions on Moon Knight to see what I'm missing. What Mm. is it that, like, is is connecting with people that I'm missing? I think... And the thing is, all I could find was, like, ranked lists of, like, MCU TV shows that consistently had Moon Knight in the top 10, but then they were like Miss Marvel's in, like, the 25s and Legion's in the 20s. And I'm like... Miss Marvel's bad because... We know why they think Ms. Marvel bad. I think for a certain number of people, if you even bump up against things like trauma and mental issues, you're doing incredibly serious real art. And it's like, you only watch Star Wars and Marvel and anime and stuff. You know, you, you do not... That's, that's unkind. There's a lot of anime to just cast it like that. But you know what I mean. You are limited in what you're watching. Like, go watch real shows about mental health and stuff. Don't Don't just give them a pat on the back because they did the lamest like most entry I mean, this, level this was my issue with 
I watched Empire of Light the other day, and that that is a movie that is literally like a character experiences racism, a character experiences sexism, a character experiences mental health issues. And it's like, okay, yeah, is there more? Like, you can't just yeah. have a character do a thing. You have to have like yeah. something to say about it or something meaningful for it to impact something else in this, yeah. in it's this the, narrative. It's Otherwise, the same thing. There. I, I think it. I think it's basically the male version of. The shorthand for a lot of prestige TV is woman is sexually assaulted and has trauma about it. For men, it's like they have some kind of tragedy in their childhood. And that's another thing, like, you know, their big sophisticated reveal is the parent stuff, and that feels so played out that, like, you know, yep. parent was mean and now, yeah. Anyway, that's Moon Knight. Next week. Next week. Something we'd like. I'd like a lot. In fact, spoilers for next week. Um, I mean, that's the thing is, like, speaking of things that are polarizing, the <laughs> fact that we went from six weeks of everyone kind of like sucking Moon Knight's dick about how good <laughs> Moon Knight was, and then we went into everyone freaking the fuck out about Doctor Strange. Yeah. What is this is, transition? Um, something good? You've tiny how dare child. You character assassinate Scarlet Witch. And we will get into the issues around Scarlet Witch. Oh, but dear. that to me was them paying off the character arc they set up in WandaVision. They Even did. if they didn't intend it, Michael Waldron realised that's what they fucking did. did. And <sighs> we will get into the issues surrounding sexism in the industry and stuff like that in the depiction <laughs> of grief and the rest of it. But, sure. but it's the character arc they set up. Yeah. Yeah. That was Moon Knight. I hate it. I don't know if you can tell, but we're done with I've, it I've now. come down on it from like forcing myself to watch it this week. I've come down on it. And it's I'm like, so mm. bad. I think because I had to like dive into it fully to review it, it made me always at this level. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, it's over. We don't have to talk about it anymore. Anyway, that's the podcast that we are devoted to. <laughs> One of three we're going to do this year, I think. And they're all going to be very different. Yep. But for now, uh, that's Moon Knight. Sorry, everyone. This ran real long. And what do we say? Excelsior? Do we say Excelsior. Thanks, Ben. Excelsior. <laughs> Fine.